Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Monday, August 9th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Another week, another bunch of Flyers Daily podcasts for you. Coming up in Wednesday's episode, we're going to hear from new Flyers assistant coach Daryl Williams. But in this episode, we're going to tackle a question that I was posed last Friday. I opened up the uh, solicitation for some questions for Flyers Daily, and a guy had tweeted in about roster construction and where the Flyers stack up in the Metropolitan Division. So it was just a little bit of homework needed to be done to kind of really dig into this one, and we decided to dedicate an episode to it. And I promised on Friday's episode to bring in some help. So on this episode, joining us right now is Bill Meltzer from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and NHL.com to break down that question and much more. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Jason? Just ticking down the days, Bill. Just getting ready for another season. I'm tired of playing the game in my head on paper. Well, for sure, and you can, you know, you, you have enough time to second guess yourself a lot too. As uh, you know, we were talking about what we we're doing for this episode. I, I changed my mind a bunch of times. So, <laughs> well, it was funny because I, I solicited some questions last week uh, for an episode for Friday's episode, and uh, a guy named uh, Grand Mommy Cheese on Twitter, great name. He said, based on roster construction and adding in the RFAs for each team right now, where do you think the Flyers stack up in the Metro? And I said, you know what? That's a great question. One I can't tackle on my own. One I got to think about for a little while, and and really look at a lot of different elements. And I said, you know what? I'm going to charge Bill with the same task. <laughs> so we're going to do this one together. But before we get to that, Bill, we got a couple of uh, news and notes to get to prior to the uh, division uh, kind of breakdown and the Metro will once again be the Metro. But let's start with uh, two players that are restricted free agents in Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim. And let's start with Sanheim because uh, the, the club elected to go to arbitration. It's a really late. It's the last arbitration case scheduled as of right now. Obviously, that can still be avoided. Are you shocked at how this thing has kind of played out early on? Well, uh, I mean, you don't typically see, uh, you know, team elected arbitration. I mean, you know, you can you can try to read the tea leaves there that the two sides are not particularly close right now, and the Flyers are confident they would win if it would it would you know go to a hearing. But uh, you know, I mean, most cases tend to settle before it ever gets to the arbitrator. Hopefully, that'll be the case here. I you know, it, it's not as adversarial as it used to be if it does go to an arbitrator, but but still, it's always preferable if you get a deal done ahead of time. So, so does this tell you that, first of all, explain to people how the arbitration process works. So if a player is not a first-time restricted free agent, like Carter Hart's a first-time restricted free agent, and he's not eligible for arbitration, um, either the player, which is usually the way it goes, or the team can, fi- can file uh, for an arbitrator to hear the case. And um, the player can choose either a one-year or a two-year award. Um, so if it actually goes to the arbitrator, uh, the arbitrator hears the, you know, side A, side B, player side, team side, and then they, uh, based upon the comparables of other players making a certain dollar figure or cap, cap pit or whatever, um, they choose column A or column B and there is binding arbitration. Now teams do have a right to walk away from an award. But that's very rare. You don't see that very often at all, even if it does go in an arbitrator. So, I mean, one way or another, Travis Sanheim is going to have a contract. And whether it will be one year or two years or something longer term, you know, we, we will see. But 
So, I mean, there, there's there's no chance Travis Allen will not be flyer next season. It's just, uh, you know, what, what does it take to, to cross that bridge and, and get something done? So the arbitrator, though, picks either side A or side B, as you referred to it, and that's the salary the Flyers are offering or the salary that Travis Sanheim is requesting. He can't decide somewhere in the middle that this is his worth? That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, it's one case or another case, and you're you're, you're voting for one side or the other. Mm. And, you know, the obviously the part about it is is the team's got a player. They like them. Uh, they're not to, not together on a number. But when you go to an arbitration case, you have to present the reasons why the player is not worth what he's claiming he's worth. And that can leave that can result with some scar tissue. It it can, because you're you're basing it on, you know, on negatives. And, um, you know, I mean, some players can handle it better than other players. Um, It's again, it's not as adversarial as it used to be. It used to be ugly. It used to be really (laughs) ugly. Um, you know, the, I mean, the most, I guess the most famous story is, was Tommy Salo um, took the Islanders to arbitration and uh, Mike Milbury literally reduced him to tears in the hearing. And he was, I mean, he, he, he ended up getting his career back on track in, in Edmonton, but I mean, he, he was ruined. I mean, he was, you know, his confidence was shattered by the things that were said in there. It, it's because uh, the you know, player is in there. Yeah. He was, so it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, it's uh, it, you, you want to avoid it if you can, you want to, you want to come to terms. Yeah, it, it is still, you know, a bizarre situation. Is part of the why the Flyers uh, filed for the arbitration hearing as early as they did a little bit of posturing and, hey, if you just come closer, we can probably get something done. But, uh, you know, you're you're a little out of line right now based on last season and where you are in your career. I, I think that's probably it. And, and the Flyers have to, whether posturing or not, I feel a degree of confidence that it actually goes – you know, all the way to a to the arbitrator, they would win. I mean, if you yeah. you you don't take the player to arbitration if you feel like you might lose. So, and I I think that that it's a, it's a little bit of posturing. It, it certainly is pressure to get it done because if if the player doesn't file arbitration, then this could go into the go into training camp. Yeah, you don't want that. And um, you certainly don't want that. No, not coming off of what they just came off of last year. Not just from a COVID standpoint, but also uh, a success and the way the season went standpoint and, and Travis Sanheim's a very important piece for this team. Uh, the other RFA that I want to ask you about is Carter Hart. Um, and I, I've heard some, some, some rumblings and read some reports that a, possibly a longer term deal could be in the works here. Does that make sense to you? Uh, well, and a longer term deal would be a higher cap hit than a short term bridge deal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be, you know, probably in the, in the long run, if, if, Carter Hart plays to the expectations that he has for himself and that we all think he's capable of getting back to, then it would ultimately be a cost savings for the Flyers. But but it would yeah. be more than it, if, if it's so if Carter Hart signs for a year or two years, the Flyers will pay considerably less in cap it for that time for that period of time. But then you you know we come come up as an RFA again in a couple of years. He's, arbit- he's arbitration eligible at that point. He has a couple of big years. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at a, a huge cap hit. You know, especially if he plays great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, uh, you know, so if they could get something done that's longer term, and maybe it would be a little less than, you know, than it would have been a year ago. You know, just uh, based on where we thought Carter was headed a year ago. So it, it would still be more. So I mean, it, it would make sense to get it done. Um, you know, I, I'm sure what's going on with the two sides is they're. They're testing out various uh, 
various terms. So yep. two years, three years, four years, whatever, all of them carry their own price point that they're negotiating. And it'll be a matter of coming to a, a number and a term that both sides can live with. So, you know, there, there's no there's no risk of the player not getting signed and he's not getting an offer sheet anywhere else. It'll be a flyer. It's just uh, it, it's just, you know, coming coming to the an agreement on for how long and for how much. And, you know, you all the Flyers also want to leave themselves a little bit of money left over here, too. They don't want to use up all their cap space on yeah. two players. Here. Could you see a four times four point two on that? For Carter? I, I, yeah, potentially. I mean, the thing is, is that the Flyers only have what eight point oh one left. Yeah, and I don't think they're getting. I don't think they're getting Sandheim at less than four. Yeah, that complicates it. It does complicate it. I mean, you're, you know, at that point, you're, you're out of space. You're capped out. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, the Flyers could always move a player, get a little bit of space. Yeah. But um, I don't, I don't know. I don't. It's never ideal to use up all your space. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want to have some floating in the season and let it grow as well. Uh, Bill, let's get to uh, a couple of things before we get to the, the division. Uh, behind the scenes, operations, hockey operations, boy, a lot of change. We, and, you know, Chuck Fletcher alluded to it, that he's been here a while now, and he wants to get better off the ice to help affect the product on the ice more in a positive way. And they made several moves. Uh, they, they promote Joachim Grunberg, who's been on this podcast on an, uh, a couple of occasions, uh, the European scout. He's now the director of European scouting. We see that Nick Beverly's uh, now been added as a pro scout. Uh, Matt Bardsley, an amateur scout. Uh, th- there's a lot of new faces and uh, some faces getting elevated, including Jason Smith, the former Flyer captain, as an assistant coach with the Phantoms. What do you make of all the moves? Anything pop out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can start with the Phantoms assistant coaches. Um, you know, they these are younger coaches for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, but they do have but they do have experience. Um, you know, uh, Ar- Riley Armstrong was head coach uh, of the Maine Mariners in the ECHL, which is uh, it's Comcast owned, but not a Flyers affiliate. They're actually a Rangers affiliate. Um, you know, and he was, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's hard to say how a how a staff is going to gel until you until you see it. But I mean, they, uh, you know, and Jason Smith had a, a really, yeah, obviously, he was a really good captain for the Flyers, and um, had a good reputation in the Western League. I mean, one of the Flyers draft picks this year was actually a player that Smith recommended before he. Where he was just hired, so obviously they they value his you know, his take on players. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how all that goes. Um, I think one thing in the in the uh, overarching uh, you know group of hires here in promotions, uh, you mentioned Joachim Grunberg. This is a first time position. I mean, there was never there was never a director of European scouting before. It's just it just speaks to how important European scouting operations are. And to try to get, uh, you know, try to get everything streamlined, I guess. I mean, you know, like like this year. I mean, the Flyers have a have a scout in Finland, and they just drafted a player from Finland for the first time since 2006 this year. But you want to, you know, you you want to have that streamlined. So I think that's that's really the the purpose of that. And you know, in terms of some of the other hirings, uh, Michael Connell coming in as a as a senior advisor and. and uh, Involved in the player development side, and Nick Beverly. I mean, you're talking about people, decades, truly decades of experience as players, coaches, general managers, actually, because both Beverly and, and O'Connell were general managers in the NHL too. So they're bringing in a, a whole lot of experience and uh, people who were with other organizations too. These these were not those guys weren't you know, being promoted from within. Um, and of course, there are there are some changes from within. Um, 
Nick Pryor is now, uh, he, he went to Pittsburgh, reunited with his dad. Penguins. Director of amateur scouting there. Director, he's their director of amateur scouting, so that's actually a step up. It's not a lateral step for Nick. Um, but, I mean, he was a very successful scout in the uh, in the USHL, the uh, U.S. National Development Team program, the collegiate ranks. So you know, that, that's a little bit of a vacancy. The Flyers are going to have someone who have someone who specializes in that area. We'll see how all the, uh, the regional uh, assignments or home bases, at least, because everybody does crossover scouting. We'll see how those play out, and I mean, just just in general, I mean, they brought in they brought in a, an experienced group of hockey people, and, and we'll see. I mean, they they're, they're you know they're certainly good people, and they have good credentials. Yeah, uh, Beverly comes from the most recently with the Nashville Predators, and uh, Mike O'Connell, as you mentioned before, the senior advisor to the general manager and player development uh, from the Los Angeles Kings. So, uh, look, you can never have enough good hockey people. You just can't, and uh, they get some good ones here guys with a lot of pedigree as well so and congratulations to Jochen Grumberg as well we always love having him on all right Bill let's get to this Metro division and we got to figure out where the Flyers fit in in this equation on again this is all on paper and because that's all we have right now I, I keep repeating it and I'll say it again that the moves that Chuck Fletcher made and they were significant they changed the on ice feel of the team the vibe of the team the dynamic both in the locker room and on the ice and they've they've upgraded in some very key areas. Does it mean more wins? We won't know that until we see it played on ice. But when we look at the, the situation in Ryan Ellis, Cam Atkinson, Keith Yandel, Martin Jones, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Nate Thompson. Out, Jake Voracek, Shane Gossespierre, Phil Myers, Robert Haig, Nolan Patrick, and Brian Elliott. There's a lot of change here. But let's get to this division. Because as the, the guy who tweeted it to me last week asked, where do they stack up in this division? So let's go through one by one, and then we'll rank them. And let's start with the team that was very active. It was also the team that had, uh, they played, if they were in the same division last year based on points, would have been in the basement, and that's the New Jersey Devils. They finished last year with 45 points, third worst in the NHL. They added Dougie Hamilton, Jonathan Bernier, made that trade for Ryan Graves, out Ryan Murray, Will Butcher, uh, Nathan Bastion, and Aaron Dell. What do you make of the Devils? They certainly improved, Bill, but... To go from 45 points to being a, a playoff contender to me is a bit of a stretch. It is, and they brought Tatar in too, so that'll add. Yeah, some that's right. Offensive punch to the mix. He doesn't make sense though, Tatar. Like he's a guy that's got a ton of skill, Bill. But every coach seems to start scratching him at the end of every season. Yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, you know, I, I don't. I, you never know how the pieces are going to fit together until you, you know, until you really see what they have. Um, I do think they'll be improved. Um. You know, how improved will they be? I don't know. I mean, we'll see how the goaltending rotation works between Blackwood and Bernier. That'll be that'll be an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, they have they still have cap space. Uh, I think they have uh, they have almost 15 million in cap space if they were to want to go out and add another piece because there will be teams that that have cap issues. So they may still add further pieces. And Tarasenko you know, has been talked about there as well. Yeah, exactly. So I don't. Uh, you know, they're, they're a hard team to get a read on. I think it's hard to, to, to just go out and predict, okay, this remember a couple of years ago, actually, when the, the Flyers had the big breakthrough year in 2019-20, it was the Devils who went into that season. And all the all the pundits said about how improved they were and how they were going to take a big jump, and they just didn't. But, uh, you know, they still have a lot of young players there, too. Who, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see how, they, how Hughes does. And we'll see the kind of year he sure has. Those are still key players too to them reaching the next level and some of it of course is health related too so they're uh you know they're an interesting team i don't think they're going to be uh 
Uh, actually, they're a team that, that always seems to give the Flyers trouble no matter what. But uh, no matter what their record is against everybody else, the Devils seem to give the Flyers some issues. But I, I, I still think that they're, they'd be a hard team to be, to predict being the, being in the uh, top three or four in the division or, or the wild card team in a tough division. But uh, they'll, they should be improved, I would think. Yeah, I mean, my best case scenario for them would to be the sixth ranked team in this division. Right. More likely, I think it's seven. That's where the only team I would have them ahead of is the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets on, on paper, and then of course the Blue Jackets have a change behind the bench too. You know, you never yeah. know how all that's gonna how all that's gonna play. But I, I would say on paper, with with Jones out and with uh, you know just the, the teams, they have trouble keeping their players. They have both of their goalies are going to be unrestricted after next season. It's just mm-hmm. it seems to be where players go to to make their big to make their big UFA deal somewhere else. So I. I and you know they have Voracek coming in, Atkinson going out. I, I I would I would say on paper Columbus is is last, and then Jersey next to last. So we're on the same page with that. Um, yeah. You know I don't uh, I don't see them being necessarily improved, and they still have they have so many they have so many question marks on, on that team anyway. You know guys, uh, you know, like like Domi always seems to be on the move somewhere or in trade rumors somewhere. Yeah. So I don't uh, I don't really I don't love the roster looking over it, but, uh, you know, Kekalainen is a good general manager and, and he seems to draft pretty well. And they do seem to, they do seem to surprise sometimes, but I am, I am interested to see how it all comes together with another coach behind the bench too. And, and, you know, this is, this is a big year for line a too. Um, oh, yeah. you know, would this be line a's big breakthrough year with Voracek beating in the pot? Who knows? But I, I don't, I don't really, I don't love the mix. Yeah. I don't either. Voracek, uh, added there, as you mentioned, Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, uh, Sean Corrale, they lose Atkinson, right. Seth Jones, big loss there, Michael Delzato and Riley Nash. And like you said, no more John Tortorella to kick around in Columbus. He's behind the desk now at ESPN. So uh, Columbus is a team that, yeah, I would I would have them as the team, again, all on paper, as, to likely finish in the eighth spot in this division. Uh, I like I like their goalies. I don't love either of them, Corpusalo or Elvis Merzlikens, but – uh, we'll see how that plays. And again, the big variable is a new coach. Now, Bill, one of the teams that has been a really good team for a really long time, and a lot of that on the back of Alexander Ovechkin, he gets a new deal. He's going to chase down Wayne Gretzky's record. They didn't add anything in the offseason. They lost a few pieces. Brendan Dillon, I think it's a big loss for him. They lost Craig Anderson, who uh, is 50, but now going to play in Buffalo. And they lose Michael Roffel, who they acquired in that trade from the Flyers uh, at the deadline. No big additions here. Uh, another year older for Ovechkin, but he does, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. Uh, where, where are the caps? Are we, is this kind of just, you know, what we saw last year is what we're going to see again this year? They, they finished with 77 points. It would have been tied for second in the division last year. Right. And, and of course, they peaked a little early. They, yeah. they were kind of, you know, go, going the wrong way towards the end. And obviously, obviously they didn't uh, reverse course once the postseason started. It was a very unlike Laviolette first season with the team. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't a typical lavy year with the team. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of it is they, they wanted to move Kuznetsov out. They haven't been able to. That's still hanging over the team going into this year. I mean, it's the. I mean, every everybody knows. Everybody knows the core. Group. The core group is the thing. You know, it's Obi, it's Backstrom, it's uh, Carlson, Kuznetsov, it's it's Oshi, it's uh, Carlson. I mean, it's the same group that's been for years. So there's there's no mysteries with the Caps. It's just a just a question of is the core getting too old at this point? Um, 
you know, and, and uh, will they peak at the right time of year? I mean, they to me, they're still they can still easily even win the division. That's just uh, they still have that talent there. Uh, I don't I don't I wouldn't have them as an inside track cup team at this point. But I know I know there's still a lot of dangerous hockey players there, and, and they're used to playing together. And then there's always the you know there's always the Wilson factor too. So that's uh, you know that, that that's a that's a whole piece of what comes into playing the cap. So it's uh, you know it, they're they're still they're still a tough team. I'm I'm not writing them off by any stretch of the imagination. I actually I think the Caps still have the Caps still have a little more together. We'll get to the Penguins I guess in a second. But uh, you know last year I predicted it would be the the year the Penguins finally fell. I'll predict it again this year. This is the year the Penguins finally fall. Yeah, and that's the next team. I actually have the Caps as the team that will win the division yeah. um, because I, I just think it's going to be a big push year for them. The wheels are – like, age is going to catch up. Now, I'm not saying it's going to catch up to Ovi anytime soon, but some of the other guys are not Ovi. You know, guys yeah. like Backstrom, guys like Oshie, and there's a lot of tread worn off those tires. So uh, I would pick the Caps coming in as the team to win the division. But you just mentioned them. I mentioned the Pens. The Caps finished with 77 points last year. The Pens finished with 77 points last year. And, Bill, for the life of me, maybe you can explain this to me. The Penguins, in the 56-game season last year, scored the second-most goals in the NHL at 196. They were plus 40 in goal differential. I was predicting a little bit of a demise of the Penguins last year. It didn't happen. How the heck did they come in second in league scoring? And I don't know. I mean, they did it. They did it. You know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like you had a healthy Malkin and Crosby all year long. Exactly. Either. You know, I don't, I don't know how they did it. I just, I just doubt they can continue it. Um, you know, they have this, and they have, they have good hockey players. I, I don't like what they lost. They lost some valuable players this offseason. and they and compounded I it too. I don't understand what, I, what Ron Hexall did yeah, with the expansion draft. I don't, I don't get that either, because, you know, you, you, you could have just lost McCann. They lost Tanev also because they, you know, they, they wanted to get something back from McCann, but it wasn't. I mean, to me, enough to justify that trading them and then losing two two guys from your starting lineup. Uh, they really essentially capped out. They have, I think, less than one hundred twenty-two thousand in cap space, so they can't add anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and if they have any injuries, they're in, they're dipping in the long term. Uh, it's an older core. You know, I don't question the goaltending with uh, Jari and then the Smith. I don't think that's a, you know, that, I don't think that's a tandem you're going to ride too far in the playoffs i really don't but as you said i mean they, they in the shortened season last year they certainly figured it out during the regular season but i just i think they drop off this year yeah i think they do too uh in is danton heinen brock mcginn and dominic simone and then out mccann as you mentioned tana they lose in the expansion frederick gaudreau and cody cc and again you know is, is this is probably hextall taking his patient approach and not giving up draft picks and trying to restock the cupboards and retool uh, because they're they're off season when you have players like Malkin Crosby, Latang and, and that group it doesn't make sense it doesn't look like a team that's pushing forward to try and get another cup based on what happened this off season uh, the team that that I'm going to go to next bill is a team that maybe isn't the greatest regular season team but they're really good they're built for playoff hockey but the, another head scratcher of an off season here the Islanders, uh, they get Richard Ponick. They lose Jordan Eberle in expansion, Nick Letty. Uh, not a lot of moves here. We tend, I guess we tend to think that Lou's probably still got something up his sleeve here, probably with, you know, uh, you know, Zach Parise or something else, maybe even 
Vladimir Tarasenko. But as we as, as we tape this, they haven't really made a lot of additions, and they've had more loss than gains. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they have to still, they still have to get Sorokin resigned too. I think he's still restricted. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, they'll have Anders Lee back this year. That was a huge loss to them yeah. last season. Uh, you know, and I you you saw it whenever they played the Flyers. I mean, they had all those games that went overtime against the Flyers. And I thought they really missed Honors League in, in those games. He, uh, you know, he just he just brings so much to the table for that team, and he'll be back this year. So it's, uh, you know, it's an addition in that way. Any Barry Trotz coach team is is going to be dangerous. They're they're tough to play against. Um, you know, there, there's something to be said also for continuity and stability. And I I do think Lou will add something. He has the cap space mm-hmm. to do it. So, you know, if not now, then at some point by the, by the trade deadline, um, you know, I, I have the Islanders as, uh, as being a, a team with a top three team still in the division and a team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Yeah, because, because of guys like Anders Lee yeah. <laughs> and Josh Bailey and, and the size that they have. They're built for the playoffs. They, you know, we've talked about roster construction for the regular season and for the playoffs several times here, and they're a team that – is built for that wear and tear of seven-game series after series. And uh, we've seen the result, two conference finals. So uh, I, I have them coming, actually, as the number two team. I have the Penguins, by the way, as the sixth team in the division, if you can oh. believe that. Maybe we're just trying to will that to be true as well. Uh, let's talk about a really head-scratcher of a team. They weren't in the division last year. In the Well, there was no Metro, but it is the Carolina Hurricanes. And, Bill, this is a wild offseason in Carolina, a team – that was, I mean, tremendous. 80 points last year. They were at a great regular season. Had they not come up against Tampa when they did in the playoffs, uh, you know, they were a team that you could have seen going to a cup final had it not been for the greatness of Tampa. This year, all season, though, I mean, you lose Dougie Hamilton in free agency. You, you lose Peter Morazic. You lose Alex Nedeljkovic uh, for a two-year, $3 million contract. You trade to get... Jonathan Bernier, you don't extend them. You lose Reimer, you lose Fogel, you lose Brock McGinn, Martin Geeky. I mean, you lost a lot of guys here. You get Tony D'Angelo, which could, I mean, it could be a a low-risk, high-reward. Or to me, that's high-risk, maybe high-reward. I don't know. Ronta, Ian Cole, there's a lot of change here. Derek Stepan, Freddie Anderson's now going to be a net down there. Uh, a lot of different moves, but I, I, don't, I just can't look at this team and say they're a better hockey team than they were last year. Matter of fact, I think they're significantly worse than they were last year yeah although they still have a really formidable forward group now losing Hamlin is huge yeah that that that's a big that's a big hole in the blue line um particularly in the offensive side of it d'angelo maybe replaces some of those points but he's not dougie Hamilton. so um you know i i uh, from the on the defensive side i mean I, I liked ethan bear when he was in edmonton i think he'll be a an underrated addition a hard guy to play against and all and all that um wouldn't want to play them in a playoff series. Also, they're a team. They're, they're, they come at a they come out a little different approach than the Islanders. The island, you know, Carolina has a lot of speed they can throw at you. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think they're as good as they were a year ago. But I, to me, to me, they could still finish another team that to me could be a, a top three team in the division in the regular season. I don't know how well built they are for the, for the playoffs this time around. But they also have something almost about twelve and a half million in cap space. So they could they could address some needs by the deadline, and to me, they're still a dangerous team. They will almost spend it though. I mean, it's it's a weird situation down there. It's a weird vibe. It's a different kind of ownership there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's trying to. I mean, he's been Tom Dundon's been successful in everything he's had his hand in. 
maybe we took the exception of the XFL, but um, it, it seems it's just odd. I mean, the haggling with Rod Brindamore, the, the way that played out, they got it done. Uh, but to, play, to pay the remainder of the staff, it was just it just seemed clumsy to me. And yeah. it's not a time you, you do all that work to build it up. You get all those good draft picks and good players there, and Aho and others. And then it's just a bit of a head scratcher of an offseason. It's a weird fork in the road that they didn't have to take, I didn't think. Um, last team in the division, other than the Philadelphia Flyers. So, oh, by the way, where do you have the Canes? Uh, I, I have the uh, I have the Canes second, actually. Do you? Oh, wow, interesting. Hmm. I have them actually fifth. So, really? Yeah. I just, Bill, I, I, I don't see, I'm not a big Freddie Anderson guy. I'm really not. Coming off the injury, I just don't know what he is. He gets out of Toronto from a market perspective. That's good, but I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, I, and, and playoff playoff wise, I'm right with you. For, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how much I trust Anderson in the playoffs, but for the regular season, I think. Uh, I mean, this this was a it was a juggernaut team. They weren't, you know, they weren't quite Colorado, but they were a really really good team. They've lost some pieces, but I think I think they're still a really good team. Yeah, they're gonna uh, be a wild card team, in my opinion. Uh, it's a bit of a. Um, Hot take by me, but I'll do it. Uh, let's go to the New York Rangers. This is another head-scratching. Not so much head-scratchers here because we know what the, the Rangers did and firing Jeff Gordon and uh, John Davidson, the, this all-in. They should have been further ahead than they were this season. I thought they were trending right in the right direction yeah. when I look at the Rangers and, and the growth that they were on. But they make some big moves as well. They, they signed Barkley Gaudreau to a huge contract. They get Dryden Hunt, Sammy Blay. Uh, Patrick Nemeth, they bring Ryan Reeves in as the anti-Tom Wilson. Uh, so he does. So Panarin doesn't get ragdolled again. Uh, but this is a, a bit of a strange, strange offseason in New York as well. Uh, they lose Tony D'Angelo. They lose Bushnevich. They lose Colin Blackwell, DiGiuseppe, Brendan Smith, uh, Brett Howden. They, they lost a lot of pieces this summer. Yeah, and they have to, they still have to get Shesterkin signed yep. to an extension. And here, here's the big thing. Now, it's a year off from now, but they have to plan for it now. Is Adam Fox is restricted Oofa. next year. And, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at what Darnell Nurse just got, oh my well, God. that's what they're looking at. So they're they're going to – of the have about $14.5 in cap space going into this year. Well, beyond beyond this year, I don't know who's coming off necessarily, but uh, that's going to eat up most of their cap space a year from now. So, so they, have, they have to have that in the back of their minds too. Bill, if Darnell Nurse got the 9.25 – what does a guy like Fox get? He's got to be a ten point two, right? I th- I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, he was just he was sensational last year, just so 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 good. Yeah, and uh, I I mean, he's he's the real deal. I I don't have any doubt that he's going to be a superstar defenseman in the league for a long long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, if Nurse if Nurse got that, then then Fox will get north of that. And uh, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Rangers had the ooh, you know, and I think the whole league took a step back with at the at the Nurse deal. And that's nothing against Darnell Nurse, who's a really darn good defenseman, but I, I was certainly not expecting that. I, I was expecting to start with an eight, not a nine. Yeah, and low eight to, at that. I mean, that's that's a. I mean, these D flat cap my rear end. These D are getting paid, aren't they? Yes, they sure are. Whew. They sure. Are. Uh, so, so where would you have a team like the Rangers? This is. Uh, you know, Shesterkin's a big part of that. He's going to be there. They just got to get the deal done, and, and he's the future in that. Um, and we saw, you know, how dynamic he can be in that with, with the Russian invasion, him and Sorokin on the island as well. Uh, where do you have the Rangers finishing? You know, I still have them one spot behind the Flyers. I I, I have – because we'll get to the Flyers. I have the Flyers four. 
I have okay. the Flyers as a wild card team, and I have the Rangers fifth, but also realizing they could overtake the Flyers this season. I mean, they they finished with more points than the Flyers this past season, but that was really because of really because of the, what happened to the Flyers more than the you know I I don't know, but uh, that that because New York to me still has some holes in there, and um, you know they they still have some positions to to address. So you know I don't uh, I, after Fox like uh, I I think. Like I, I like Truba, but I think Truba's a little overpaid for what he is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think long term it's not it's not going to be the best deal for them. Um, they they've lost some important pieces, like you said, like the like guys like Busnevich are gone, and I just uh, you know I don't so I don't have a feel as to how they're going to gel. But uh, I just look at it on paper. I know they've added toughness and harder to play against and and all that. But uh, but anyway, that that's where I have them. I have them one spot behind. Philly. Should every team in the Metro have a uh, foil for Tom Wilson at this point? Well, I, I think every team. I don't know. I don't know if you acquire a player just specifically. Didn't the Rangers though? I, I think they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at it. You, I mean, you look at when you add Ryan Reeves. I mean, th- that's that's to show some accountability for a guy like Tom Wilson out there who really kind of teed off on a couple of guys last year. Oh, no question. I mean, you look look at what he did to Panarin, and they really had nobody to answer for it. So that uh, I mean, you know, I mean, Reeves can play a little bit as a fourth line guy. He certainly is one of the better best fighters in the league. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's something where uh, you know they they felt it was a need. Certainly, uh, certainly they have you know they they saw some old guard, <laughs> the old guard people in hockey ops there, and they didn't like what they saw last year. And mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Um, I do think I do think in a best of seven series are a little harder to play against. But the by the same token, you know how much are you going to play Ryan Reeves in a, a seven game series? You know, yeah. he, he, even if he's in the lineup, was he going to play five minutes, six minutes? So I, I don't know. Yeah, it makes you think that you know Sam Moran gets extended. He could be in more games than we think, just off face value, because of guys like Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson. And sure. some of those guys, you get Rasmus first to line it, but he's not—he's not a fighter. No, no. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sam Moran is just about the only only guy in the lineup that will, you know, drop the gloves with some regularity. I mean, he's not—you uh, know—it's it, a different age. You know, he's not—he's not, he's not Daryl Stanley either. But he's—you uh, know—but yeah. he'll—he's certainly—he'll certainly engage. He's physical. He'll fight and, and whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a guy like Moran, you might see him in the lineup in, in certain games and. You know, and, and I know as we're figuring out the the Flyers lineup, you know there there is the matter of, of Yandel's Iron Man streak, but yeah. Vino cannot concern himself with that. He has to do what's best for the team, and if that means the streak ends before he breaks the record. He, the streak ends before he breaks the record. You just have to, you know, you have to put your team in the best position to win. And I'm sure that was discussed prior to his signing here, right? Sure, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I, I mean, and by the way, uh, the day before he signed here to you or a couple of days before, two days before you and I are saying, this makes too much sense for Keith Yandel to be a flyer. <laughs> and he, they made us look good. And now he's yeah, a flyer. it worked out in a good price too. Yeah. I mean, 20% uh, of what Shane Gostas was getting paid is what you're getting now for Keith Yandel for this year. So, uh, so you got the flyers coming in fourth. I have them coming in third. My order is I have the caps winning the division. The aisles actually coming in second in the division. Uh, the third, I have the Flyers. Then I have the Rangers. And then fifth, I have uh, the Canes. Uh, sixth, the Penguins. And then seventh, the Devils and the Blue Jackets coming up in the basement. So I'll write this down, Bill, and I'll see 
just how wrong I was again. You know, there's a little optimism here too. And again, this is just on paper and it could be, it's not going to be totally upside down of what I said, but it's going to, it could be very mixed. And, well, and yeah. Thing, things change quickly too. So these are, this is on paper in August. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. That, thanks for the disclaimer. It's perfect. Um, all right. That's going to put a wrap on this episode. Uh, Bill, do you expect to see anything else here in the next week or so with the flyers? Or do you think, do you think Chuck's done? I think he's done for now. Yeah. yeah I do. Um, you know, if uh, if something else comes down the pike right before the, the start of the season, maybe. But again, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna want to see how much cap space they have left, and they're gonna want to come in with some cap space to to spare. So I, I think they're I think they're probably done. One of the things we're gonna have to discuss in an upcoming episode is two players that are entering the final year of their deal. One is the captain, Claude Giroux. The other one is Sean Couturier. We're going to have to dedicate an episode to that. And by the way, congratulations to uh, Claude Giroux and Ryan Giroux, his wife, on uh, the birth of a second son. So he's got a deep pair now. We'll see if he turns it into an offensive line at some point. So congratulations. Healthy baby boy. Uh, seven pounds, six out. I forget the name. I, can't remember. I know the first one is Gavin. I don't remember the, the, the yeah. newborn team. But congrats to the captain. Everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy your Tuesday. We'll be back on Wednesday with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily.